Welcome to the Real Estate Espresso Podcast, your morning shot of what's new in the world of real estate investing. I'm your host, Victor Manash. This is the weekend edition where we interview notable people from the world of real estate investing. Today is no exception. We have a great guest all the way from New York City. Welcome to the show, Mike Slotnick. Hi, Victor. Thank you very much for having me. Well, Mike, great to have you here. And you've been working in the New York area in a bunch of different projects. And I'm excited about today's conversation because we're going to focus on one particular strategy that is really working today. But before we do that, why don't you give a little bit of your backstory and how you got to this point in your journey? Thank you, Victor. So I go back to uh, the days when I left the former Soviet Union. I immigrated in 1989. It was still the Soviet Union. It was that long ago. As a political refugee, uh, came to the United States, became a citizen, so I'm a citizen and a patriot. I've lived in New York State ever since. My mother I moved, and I moved to uh, Rochester, New York at the beginning in 89. My mother is still there. God bless her heart. She's 90, and she's still going strong. I moved to New York City in 95, and I've been here ever since. And I uh, live in Brooklyn, New York, uh, married to my lovely wife of over 21 years, four kids and a cat, the fifth child. Those of you who have a pet can appreciate that. And I've been a passive real estate investor here in New York since 2000 and an active full-time fund manager since 2009. I love that. The U.S. really is the land of opportunity where anyone can, especially even in the New York area, it's an all-you-can-eat buffet of opportunity. You can come in and you can see opportunity and you can go after it, pursue it, and develop a business right from a blank sheet of paper. That's right. Yeah, that's that's the, the world of the free. Uh, and even with all the challenges we're facing now, it's still the greatest country out there. So in comparison to where I come from, uh, you can't compare. It's day and night still. So, <laughs> Yes, yes, indeed. So here we are, 2021, in the closing chapter of a pandemic, lots of businesses that have been suffering deeply, certainly the world of hospitality. And you've been taking a deep look at hotel to residential conversions, a particular strategy that I think is becoming rather sought after, whether it's high-rise, whether it's mid-rise, whether it's hotel to assisted living conversions or independent living conversions. That base platform of a hotel is not a perfect fit for everything, for every form of conversion, but there are certain ones that do work. Tell us what you've discovered. Sure. So first of all, the idea is not COVID-created. It's been pre-COVID. There was a world of conversion pre-COVID. COVID just sort of accelerated this. So we did one project. We invested in May of 2009 in Ogden, Utah conversion. It was a boutique hotel, and it got converted to, so let's just call them nice apartments. I don't want to call them high-end, but boutique nice hotel into sort of a higher end multifamily. And the project just actually sold and we exited in 21 months, making a return over 73% IRR. It was 2.2 times multiple. The opportunity has been pre-COVID created. And as COVID hit, a lot of the dysfunctional hotels that were struggling pre-pandemic started to fall apart. And we entered the space in middle of 2020. So it was a secondary, the post, post-pandemic post deal. So we did a deal in 2019. And then in June of 2020, we entered into the first post-pandemic investment. It was a Ramada conversion. And I call Ramada kind of, it's a hotel, but it looks like a motel. So the conversion thesis on these type of assets is affordable housing. It's not 
high-end hotel. It's not a high-riser, but more can we reposition this dysfunctional hotel motel into a bunch of studios? And that project was in Mesa, Arizona, so suburb of Phoenix. So that thesis makes a ton of sense when you are in a workforce housing environment. The opportunity is to develop affordable housing. So that's something we saw as a phenomenal entry point. And then we continue through the rest of 2020 to invest into a little bit different flavor, call them extended stay hotels, like your residence in conversions. So residence in a little different because they look like apartments. And if you follow the logic, the logic of that conversion a little different, but it's also affordable housing. The conversion path is a lot easier and faster versus the hotels where you have to do a lot of work. You layer that on top of a do good, what cities need type uh, projects. So most cities and towns in the United States are short on affordable multifamily housing. And that is something that every mayor, every city council would welcome. And these projects have been going and accelerating as a result of this. Uh, now, it's not right for every hotel. There are plenty of hotels that are recovering and reopening. However, if you find a good opportunity that is not a good fit for the given area, the highest and best use is no longer a hotel, but more of an apartment complex, especially affordable housing. It creates a phenomenal opportunity for redevelopment. You know, that makes a lot of sense. Now, when you're talking about workforce housing and building studios, well, how much square footage are we talking about? Because I mean, in my mind, a studio apartment really needs to be in that four to 600 square foot area in order to be a viable product. Yeah, so imagine these motel rooms, they are low part of 400, you can be in the you know three to 400 square feet. Now they're not necessarily your ideal studio, but you could make it work in that three to 400 square feet, ideally 400, 450, as you mentioned. Uh, it really depends on the configuration of a hotel. Do you want to com- try to combine two rooms into one? If you do, you're obviously sacrificing a number of rooms uh, you redevelop. At the same time, you're providing a much nicer apartment. So it's a function of supply demand in a given area. What product do you want to deliver? Going back my, my own history, I went to school in Binghamton, New York, for a period of about you know a year where I lived right across the campus in a hotel that was sort of converted into that kind of environment. It's a small space, but it works very well for a student. It's better than a dorm room. You have a small kitchenette, you have your shower, you have your bathroom, right? You have your bed. It's a small unit. But the reason it's viable, because in comparison to living on campus with a roommate, it's a better deal for sure. Of course. It'll work also if you work hard. A lot of folks work two jobs, job and a half to make the ends meet. They spend a lot of time working. They need a place to crash. I can't put it any other way. They would rather have their own place, 400 square feet, 350 square feet, than have one bedroom with a roommate and who gets the bedroom. So that's kind of the way to think about it. Yeah, that makes sense. Now, you said this trend really predated COVID. And now in the post-COVID environment, we've got a lot more hotels that are struggling financially. Many have had their loans called and will appear on the market as distressed assets. Is there a particular signature property that you're going after for these conversions? It's very opportunistic. I wish there was a lot of distress and a lot of properties were selling. This distress is not all there. You can't see it. You're not seeing 
ton of foreclosures in the space. It's easier to foreclose on a commercial property than a residential. Residential can't foreclose at all today. However, the process is still lagging. So the distress inventory is not exactly what we would love to see. So it's really opportunistic. It's a little bit of that surgery precision. You find a decent project with decent economics at the right entry point. You start thinking what you can do with this property. If, if there's enough uh, opportunity there in a given area, then you adopt. You're not looking for a perfect property. You're looking for good enough. If you acquire it from a distressed seller, whether it's a bank that foreclosed it or some kind of a workout, then you, you make it work. But the flavors we've seen, extended stay hotels, for the reasons they're much easier to convert. So residents, and we have two, one in South Bend, one in Winston-Salem, and they were, were both going to pre well, foreclosure pre pre-COVID, and then they got foreclosed during COVID. And both of those opportunities, conversion path is fairly easy. They had kitchenettes installed. They look like mini apartments. If you stayed in some of these extended stay, you can imagine a bedroom, a mini living room, and a, and a mini kitchen. Uh, they have enough square footage for a small apartment, and you can redevelop them fairly, you know, 12 months, you can have the property leased up if it's an easy conversion. If it's, if it's a little bit hairier conversion, 18 months and you're fully leased up. So you're getting from zero to a stabilized property in 12 to 18 months at a well below reconstruction reconstruction cost. And you're creating something that it's a do-good project. It's a it's something that helps communities in, in, in every city. Well, not every, but I, I believe every city would welcome an opportunity to have more affordable housing. Absolutely. Is there a particular dollar per square foot that you're targeting when you look at an asset? Of course, rents vary widely depending on where you are in the country. But generally speaking, are you saying, okay, if rents are, pick a number, say 800 a month, I need to be at a certain dollar per square foot in order for that to all work? It depends. It's back to the, like real estate in New York could be very drastically different than, let's take an example of some of these residents and conversions. This Winston-Salem project, just, just off the top of my head, you're looking at 88 doors, about 50,000 square feet, and all-in cost is about $6 million. So the post-renovation value, eight plus, so you're basically going in with $6 million at, at about 50,000 square feet. It, it, depending on the market, it varies. In some other markets, the number is, is very different. So the, the metric per square foot, you're looking at, again, it's a basically $6 million divided by 50,000 square feet. It's $120 a foot. In that market that works, in other markets, it, it could be very different. Yeah, that's a good starting number because you're, like you said, it's below the cost of construction because that is your all-in cost. You're under $70,000 a unit. Those are good numbers as a starting point. There's definitely some upside. Now, are these properties in opportunity zones? Although I guess you're not adding enough value for you to qualify for an opportunity zone improvement. You probably would qualify for an opportunity zone improvement, uh, but we're not picking them as opportunity zone project. For our investment thesis, opportunity zone, if anything, is an icing on the cake. The investment decision is not impacted. First of all, these projects pass a ton of depreciation benefits, and they, they are very tax efficient. So the gains to make them tax-free, you got to hold it for 10 years. Most investors don't want to be stuck in them for 10 years. So the most of them are underwritten for three to five year hold, whether it's opportunity zone or not, it's not going to make any any difference. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, this is fascinating, Mike. If folks want to connect, if they want to learn more, what's the best way? So the best and the easiest way, it's a little cheesy, but uh, I'm, I'm, I'm a 6'4", I'm a big guy. 
I've been going. My podcast is called Big Mike Fund Podcast. So it's bigmikefund.com. It's it's an easy to remember name, bigmikefund.com. And you forget the D at the end and you misspell it, bigmikefund.com. I promise it's not a kinky site. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I love it. Well, Mike, thank you for the insight. Uh, I think you're on to an amazing strategy. It's one that's topical. It's one that's certainly working in today's environment. And for the listeners at home, definitely reach out to Mike at bigmikefund.com. And in the meantime, have an awesome rest of your weekend. Go make some great things happen. And we'll talk to you again tomorrow.